As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello. Meg Linehan here, and you are listening to the first episode of our special Olympics edition of Full Time with Meg Linehan. Today, Deputy Managing Editor of our Soccer Vertical, Brooks Peck, joins me to preview the tournament and our coverage at The Athletic. But before we get into it, you can subscribe to The Athletic for all of our women's soccer coverage and beyond, but we're all in on the Olympics, obviously. Plus, we've got the NWSL, the appeal for the equal pay fight is incoming soon, all the other sports we cover, there's always a deal for you at theathletic.com slash full time. All right, here's Brooks. All right, Brooks, let's start with the fact that these Olympics are actually happening at all, because it feels like we're getting like a new story about COVID-19 every two to three hours at this point. I mean, between Coco Goff and, and Katie Lou Samuelson, we're, we're just starting to... <laughs> hit some sort of, I don't want to say critical mass because I don't think anything is going to stop this Olympics, but it it's feeling less and less great by the hour at this point. It already didn't feel great to start with. So that's saying something. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a rough way to to even just go into the opening ceremonies. Um, it, it just doesn't feel <laughs> enjoyable. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I think we always knew that this tournament was going to have, you know, not the tournament, even the Olympics were going to mm-hmm. happen. There's too much money behind it. There's too much everything behind it between yeah. television, sponsorship, all of this stuff is happening. And it just feels like we're on this inevitable, okay, everyone's going to get there. As a lot of people have pointed out, we've learned a lot how to do sports, maybe more successfully than whatever is happening right now where we've got everyone coming into the country with various <laughs> levels of of readiness for this environment. And it's just, I, I think that a lot of us are kind of still wrapping our heads around like, is this even going to be fun or entertaining to watch knowing what is happening in Japan right now? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we went through all of these domestic league bubble tournaments and events um like challenge cup with nwsl and and the nba bubble and WNBA bubble and, and all these things where we kind of like got used to that and it, and it kind of worked and we're like okay we can we can do this but but this is just a whole different different entity um bringing in people from all over the world and 
and having all these different athletes and they're all living together. And it's, it's just a, a tough, tough situation. Right. Right. All right. So, you know, that said, we will, we will think about these games. Obviously the U S women's national team has been over there a while. They've been training over there. They are now actually in the, the proper site for where they're kicking off their tournament in Tokyo against Sweden. But first, like overall expectations as someone who is maybe not as finely attuned <laughs> to the world of, of women's soccer and the U.S. women's national team as perhaps I am just from your point of view, what are your expectations of this Olympic tournament with these 12 teams? Um, overall, I just I just think back to 2016 where you know, I feel like the U.S. went into that kind of confident and, again, in a good space. And you think that they're okay, they're going to just roll to, to gold. And it didn't happen. Um, so I keep checking my expectations against that, that previous experience. But also, like we just said, given all the, the circumstances of, of this particular Olympics, it's really tough to to predict the future like that because you never know who's going to test positive for COVID or, or which team's going to be sidetracked with different situations or quarantined or whatever. Right. Um, so it's just really tough to get into a mode of like predicting <laughs> who's going to do what, you know? Right. Right. I mean, I think about even, you know, Australia's had a really tough run up into this tournament. New Zealand has not really seen each other as a team for 16 months. And like you're dealing with that at the same time as obviously the, you know, we're watching the U.S. Women's National Team. We've had all of this buildup, but even, you know, I, I keep going back to that first game against the Netherlands after the pandemic shut down and everyone being like, well, why are we having expectations? They haven't been playing together. And then yeah. they roll to this, this what felt like a very easy 2-0 win over the Netherlands. And we were like, oh, so should we be <laughs> concerned about that? I, maybe we should. Mm, okay. I, and... There's always expectations yeah. with the U.S. women's national team. There's always, I mean, obviously, Vlako Andonovsky came in thinking he was going to get an Olympics immediately off the bat in part of his tenure. And then, you know, everybody gets to wait a year, including him. But, you know, I think that there has been some silver linings for the U.S. women's national team in a way that there maybe hasn't been for other national teams where you get a couple key players actually back and into fitness and, and ready to go, even as they have lost others to injury um so it's gonna be i don't i i just feel like the vibe of this olympics is just gonna be weird and not necessarily always in a good way yeah and i think it's gonna be tough to take away to have too many takeaways from this tournament depending on how it plays out um with all these different factors so it's just gonna be this strange thing that exists in this specific <laughs> time and we'll see how it goes yeah <laughs> And the other part of this, too, that I want to talk to you about is is just, you know, we we just did this roundtable with Katie Wyatt. And, and one of the things that she brought up with with me and Steph Young was, you know, can we get growth out of this tournament? And this is going to be a really interesting challenge. Like, yes, there are certainly pros to the Olympics because a lot of people watch the Olympics, but there's also obviously more competition for that attention right it's not just yeah. women's soccer it's swimming it's gymnastics it's all of these other things that suck up a lot of attention plus you add in the weirdness of this tournament you add in the time zones here in the u.s 
And it feels like this is not necessarily going to be the breakout moment that 2019 was. Even, you know, 2016, I think, broke through simply because the U.S. Women's National Team did something that they don't usually do, which is lose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and also, like, the time zones were favorable in in Brazil, and and it it all kind of worked a little better. But, um, you know, you you said competition with other sports, but you can also look at it as, as other sports potentially drawing in new eyeballs to, to the, the women's soccer competition. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that is kind of the vibe of, of months and months of lead up into this where, you know, I think a lot of us were kind of going like, okay, there's only so many times we can talk about this roster process, right? There's yeah. only so many times we can talk about what this team is going to look like until we actually get there and actually see it happen. So on that note, we're opening up this tournament for the U.S. Women's National Team against Sweden. Obviously, a lot of jokes about that matchup. Sweden is a very, very, very <laughs> familiar opponent. It also gives us the immediate narrative of this is the team that dumped the national team out of the 2016 Olympics, though. Obviously, they played each other in the 2019 World Cup, went mm. a very different direction. But, I mean, I spent a lot of time in mixed zones in France being surrounded by Swedish people being like, what about our rivalry? <laughs> Well, that's my Are question. you afraid of Sweden? That's my f- question <laughs> for you. Do you see it as a rivalry at this point? So what's funny is Steph and I just kind of wrote this entire big story about rivalries. And Sweden, I think, is kind of the closest we've truly gotten, right? Brandy Chastain and I um, had a phone call and I, I was talking to her about a couple of stories. And the way that she talked about rivalries, I think, was really helpful for how I even frame some of these teams that we have had attempted rivalries with, right? Like yeah. Brazil has, I think, kind of been the closest in this, what I consider the modern era of the national team. Mm. But Sweden, over the past five years, has gotten a couple really good results, right? And they play them in a very frustrating manner. I mean, we don't need to like... <laughs> go through the whole post-game comments of 2016, but like they clearly get under the national team's skin with the way that they play. And I think that's honestly a good thing. And we've also seen a really good result from Sweden against the U.S. in April. Like this 1-1 draw, U.S. did not look very good. Sweden looked like tactically they knew how to frustrate the hell out of the U.S. national team. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a good thing. Do I think that they are actually rivalry? Brandy called rivalry something that you know you're you're getting kind of this extra fire to a game that you wouldn't get against other opponents it goes beyond respect and it and it goes into gut punch territory yeah and i don't know if sweden is right in gut punch territory like they just can't quite you know like get the dagger in for a lot of for a lot of these these games but sweden is definitely the closest i think we get to a team that really really frustrates the u.s national team and i think that that's fun to some extent yeah i mean there have been these ebbs and flows where where teams kind of come and go as like looking like they will be the the (laughs) long-term rival but obviously canada was in there and briefly as was mentioned in that round table you you referenced briefly it looked like england might might rise to that occasion right um you know i think china early in the early early days um but but yeah, th- there isn't one kind of sustained, okay, this is the ultimate rival. But but you're right. Sweden occupies this interesting space where they they just kind of get under the US's yeah. skin. 
and, and they, they, they do it pretty consistently. So it's, it's a cool dynamic. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. I think the really important thing about rivalries in the U.S. Women's National Team is that because of international football, you know, it's not like NWSL where you're getting three Portland OL rating games a season, right? And they get chances to look at each other and like very familiar with each other and actually like start to get some of these narratives built around them right like there was a lot of usa norway in the early days with the rivalry and Mm. norway actually like i mean i I broke down the numbers from 91 to 99 norway won more games over the u.s women's national team in that time span like that was a legitimate rivalry and one that that really had some heat behind it and sweden has not you know, that's that's the whole point of that story that Steph and I wrote. Like, no team has ever quite hit those heights again. But I do think that there is something really interesting to Sweden simply because they are. I mean, the fact that everybody was like, when we get the the assignments for the Olympics, Sweden is going to be in our We know Sweden is going to be in our group. <laughs> and that familiarity, I think, helps get that frustration going and yeah. get that relationship going where it's just like you see each other a lot <laughs> and thus you start to pick up on that, the stuff that like drives you crazy about other teams. And and Sweden, I think, has had one of the best tactical reads, whether it's Jill Ellis's edition of this team or even Vlako Andonovsky. I mean, they've, they've managed to score goals against Vlako Andonovsky's U.S. Women's National Team, which is not a very common occurrence yeah, that, that's, over the past couple of years. That's a big deal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... All right. Any other games that you're looking forward to? Obviously, you know, we're kicking off very early (laughs) on Wednesday morning with Team GB at at 3.30 in the morning. But is there any other game on that opening list of games that you're looking at and going, "Mm, I think I'll wake up early for that one, too? I am curious to see how Team GB does. Obviously, it's a very England-heavy squad, and and they all have played together a lot. But just the whole concept of a team GB whenever it arises is interesting to me because it's just so unusual and, and yeah. you, you only get it in these these rare little instances and and um, to see how the players uh, deal with that is, is interesting to me. So I'll be watching that. Yeah, I think the other one from that opening game, unfortunately, it's later in the morning, but Australia versus New Zealand, I think, is going to be a really interesting one because, yeah. as we said kind of earlier in this show, like these are two teams that have not had easy lead-ins. Also, it's the fun of, you know, we've got a couple World Cup hosts for 2023 facing off, which is a weird... <laughs> Weird dynamic for an opening group stage match, but also these are two teams. Again, if we want to talk about rivalries, like this is oh, yeah. one that has some real history, some real familiarity for sure. And and I think will be a really fun opening day. Yeah, match. and it'll be important for Australia in particular to really get off to a good start, given given 
their recent history and expectations and and how things haven't quite worked out for them. So that'll be interesting too. Yeah. Also the the subplot of two former U.S. women's national team <laughs> coaches, either assistant coach for <laughs> Australia, former head coach for New Zealand, facing off against each other. So it's like our the groups that story the U.S. is in is just lines. I know it's just like a lot of a lot of stuff happening all at the same time. Yes. All right. I did want to revisit a couple of our other previous stories that ones that you've worked on, ones that we've worked on together. But, you know, Christy Mewis is obviously one of the big stories on the U.S. Women's National Team. And and since, you know, we have, I think, founded the Christy Mewis fan club, a lot has happened since the Challenge Cup. A lot. And so I wanted to check in on your Christy Mewis feelings. I just think like it's just a continue the ever continuing year of Christy Mewis. It just keeps going and going and going and extending. And um, this is just I think a, a part of it. You know, obviously a really cool situation for her to be in the Olympics with her sister. Um, yeah, it's just it's just it's just all good stuff. They have a beer. I will say that it's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have a bear. The The content from the Mua sisters, uh, <laughs> it's just like, I feel like adding sisters into any team where they just have like their own weird vibe that surrounds them. Like, I, it's a well, very interesting dynamic this, to watch. This is what I'm going to be watching because, you know, obviously right now they just got to Japan and the tournament hasn't started. It's all, it's all great. And isn't it great that we're on this team together? But whenever you have siblings who are like, together for a very long period of time that dynamic can like kind of fray at times so i'm curious to see where this goes and how the how the uh the instagram content goes throughout the tournament. yeah yeah as an only child i cannot speak to that so although i probably steph and i are about as close as, as we could probably get to having that sort of sibling yeah. energy where it's even, just even if you really get along being in quarantine with a sibling can can go some weird places so Let's let's see how that works out. <laughs> All right. Moving on to Becky Sauerbrunn, our captain. There was a, a fantastic video from the U.S. Women's National Team account where she is closing in on the record of most caps with the U.S. National Team without a goal. <laughs> She's about to eclipse Kate Markgraf, who had previously set the record. I mean, it's going to happen in this tournament. I don't, did you watch that? To me, that summed up, you know, we wrote this whole article about like why Becky Sauerbrunn is the perfect captain and that video. It was the perfect, was perfect summary of, of all of it. It really was because, you know, it shows her humor and it shows uh, just her whole personality. So it was it was really cool. I, I do hope that if she does score, that it's not like the fifth goal in a blowout or something. I hope it's like, you know, the gold, the, the gold medal match. <laughs> 90th minute, she rises up on a set piece and just knocks it in. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. I mean, so when we were in Connecticut and they had started that little set piece for Becky, I just about lost my mind. <laughs> <laughs> the press because like I do, 
I really, if she had a, a game winning goal in the Olympics, obviously I would be losing my mind. But like, it has been a very long standing dream that I actually happen to be at the be national present. team game. Yeah, that yeah. I want to, I want to witness it with my own <laughs> eyes. But I also want it to be at a game where we actually have mix zones again because I want, I want the experience of Becky Sauerbrunn in that mix zone talking about scoring a goal. Like that is my. That's the ideal conditions. Obviously, we'll take it however it happens, much like Becky Sauerbrunn is like, it's got to happen the right way, right? Like, no penalty kicks. No, yeah. don't don't set me. I, I want to do it myself if I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, But speaking of that yeah. video, can we just say, like, I think the, the U.S. national team video content has been really on point recently. Just going back to the, the Mewis sisters, the who knows Sam <laughs> Mewis best series was fantastic um, set up for this tournament. So yeah, they've they've been on point, and hopefully that continues throughout their time. In yeah, time. yeah. Between that, the Mewis series, which oh, Christy, like complete, <laughs> <laughs> complete underwhelming performance, but also Abby Dahlkemper being mic'd up, I thought was pretty great. That was great. The too. Becky video yeah. was pretty yeah. great, and then also I really enjoyed uh, on Monday the team also put out this kind of like let's look back at the 2012 U20 uh, championship winning team with Sam Mewis, Crystal Dunn, and, and Julie Ertz. And those three looking at their headshots from 2012 <laughs> and being forced to rewatch a video of them <laughs> as as basically tiny little babies was just deeply, that deeply was really enjoyable good. to me. Yeah, yeah. really, really good yeah. stuff. All right. Finally, you know, we're we're kind of infamous for our kit reviews at The Athletic. And there are a couple. Obviously, we've got the opening ceremony coming up. And if this is about as close as we're going to get to kind of a kit review <laughs> for <laughs> the Olympics, since everyone gets kind of the boring Olympic editions of their their jerseys. But both, you know, we have sent some links back and forth about Team USA's opening look where we have try yes. to make sense yes. of the Ralph Lauren approach to fashion <laughs> where they look like they're on sailboats. It's, yeah, it's yacht club. It's like you can really tell that that old Ralphie there watched <laughs> 80s teen movies and really identified with the villains in all of them. <laughs> like, I think that's the vibe that he's going yeah. for with this collection. Like he, yeah. he watched the, the the jocks in those movies. Like, okay, they're great. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for that <laughs> and just use that in 2021. There's so many layers, the, the, and also it's ungodly hot. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like that's what I don't get is it's so hot. I think I saw an article too that they were they're putting like personal fans in the jacket so that way the, <laughs> the athletes are cool. And I'm like, How about, or you could put them in t-shirts. Yeah, just don't wear the jacket. If you need a personal fan for a jacket, it's defeated the point of a jacket. <laughs> yeah. But just, you know, like shirt, shirt with a collar, vest, vest with a lot of pockets. <laughs> like they they need a lot of storage at the opening ceremonies. I don't know for what. I mean, any number of things, I guess. But yeah, it was it's, uh, just a real look. And meanwhile, at the other end of the spectrum, we have Canada. <laughs> Yes. taken a very different approach. Canada has gone for, I believe it's like a uh, early Avril Lavigne tribute look. It's the Robin Sparkles, let's go to the mall. Yeah. It's, That's what it is. It's, it's the, the denim and the graffiti. And it's, I, I don't know where they got this from, but it's it's pretty amazing that they just said yes to this. Let's, yes. let's take this yeah. to Japan. Yeah, and also Steph really wanted us to make sure that we mentioned the bucket hats because <laughs> I also, you know, I I'd made this joke earlier. 
we suffer through bucket hats already <laughs> in my lifetime. I do not know. Well, this is or kind understand of why the summer of bucket hats because we also had that at at the Euros on on the men's uh, soccer side. In you know having so much of that tournament in England and in London and the UK, uh, the the bucket hat is kind of the 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 look over there for big summer tournaments. So it's continuing for Olympics, and it's it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I will say if if you don't follow any of the Canadian women's national team, I highly recommend it because <laughs> they are loving <laughs> the outfits. There's a lot of photos happening like in the hotel while they're trapped in the hotel w- featuring these looks. Um, Christine Sinclair frequently appears in them as well. She is not a poster herself, but she will appear in other people's posts. And that is <laughs> you have not lived until you've seen Christine Sinclair in this denim jacket. Striking a pose so highly, highly. Rec- I just I cannot wait to watch the opening ceremony and and witness this this giant like march of <laughs> graffiti Canadian <denim>. tuxedo <laughs> happen. It's just gonna be truly, truly absurd. Yeah. All right. Yeah. On that note, let's briefly hit on what folks can probably expect from us at the Athletic. <laughs> assuming Steph and I survive trashing our sleep schedules over the next three weeks. Yeah, uh, yeah. So no promises on surviving that, but um, <laughs> yeah. we have some amazing things planned. Uh, you know, this is this is our first kind of big global event where we can combine the forces of of you and Steph and, and Katie. Um, on a lot of different things. And I think we have some cool plans there as, as the round table shows that I think people will be able to read once, once this comes out. Um, but in addition to that, we'll have some great podcast offerings, obviously with, with full time, but then on the UK side, uh, the offside rule podcast is doing a full, a full series in the tournament, um, on every match day, uh, with some special guests who, 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 uh, your listeners might be familiar with. Um, we'll also have some special written content, uh, from some different folks that, that you might not expect. Um, and yeah, it's just a whole lot of fun stuff. So we have some cool stuff planned. And then on top of that, obviously the NWSL is still going and (laughs) my personal favorite, the return of legal documents, probably on Friday nights. (laughs) Yes. Meg, you will be in Pacer. (laughs) You will be on, uh, midnight uh conference calls from from japan so it's gonna be a lot yeah yeah it's it's gonna be fantastic all right brooks (laughs) thank you for joining for our first edition of our olympic podcast i super appreciate it and now it's probably time for me to take a nap (laughs) yes yes we all need a nap The tournament kicks off tomorrow, and here's how you can watch the games in the United States. Now, every single time I'm listing here will be an Eastern time, just so you know now, but also so I don't have to say it every single time. For the U.S. Women's National Team game against Sweden, it's live on USA at 4.30 a.m. Then it will also air on delay at 8.30 a.m. if you don't want to wake up super early like me, and 6 p.m. on NBCSN. The match can also be streamed on NBCOlympics.com. It will also air on Telemundo and the Telemundo Deportes app in the U.S. The opening day of the tournament also has the best TV coverage of the group stage here in the United States. We've got Team GB versus Chile kicking us off at 3.30 a.m. on the Olympic Channel. Then China versus Brazil at 4 a.m. on NBCSN. Then at 6.30 a.m. it's Japan versus Canada on NBCSN. At 7 a.m., Zambia versus the Netherlands. 
That one is on the Olympic Channel. And finally, we've got that 2023 World Cup host, first 2023 World Cup host in Australia, first New Zealand on USA at 7.30 a.m. Thanks for tuning in to our Olympic coverage here at Full Time with Meg Linehan, and thank you again to Brooks for his time. One quick reminder, we will be dropping preview episodes before every single match day, and then we've got longer shows coming after the games every single match day. So subscribe to Full Time now on your podcast platform of choice so you get them as soon as we publish them. You can also follow all of our Olympic coverage at The Athletic. There are links to key articles in the tag in our show notes today. You can also, again, support our women's soccer coverage by subscribing at theathletic.com slash full-time. Full-time does not exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer Michael Zimmerman. I'm Meg. Thank you for listening, and I will be back with you tomorrow. Tomorrow.